You're listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast that brings you conversation and inspiration from your favorite authors, editors, and creators, giving you new perspectives on the world of books, culture, and the arts. We are part of the HarperCollins Presents network of podcasts. I'm Ana Maria Alessi, and I'm here today with Meg Cabot. Welcome, Meg. Thanks for having me. Now, do I have this right that you are the author of over 80 books published in 38 countries with over 25 million copies sold? That is correct. And you've been writing since you were seven. That is true. I love to write. And you're celebrating the 15th anniversary of The Princess Diaries. That's true. The first book in The Princess Diaries series came out 15 years ago. I worked at Harper when you published, and it was such a great event. And what I remember was how active you were in speaking directly to your fans. I think that that, you were one of the first to start that conversation directly, and now you look at it, every single one is doing that. But I, I remember that being very distinct. Yeah, you know, it was kind of around the same time that uh, people started becoming active on the Internet, and um, we had one of the first message boards. It was the Meg Cabot uh, book club, but it was online, and we have readers that have been on that book club, you know, 15 years ago. They started coming on there, and they're still visiting, but, you know, now some of them um, have graduated from college, and they have uh, kids of their own, so those kids, you know, have grown up in a time where they never knew a time when there wasn't the internet. So it's, it's really interesting. It's been really great. I have really great fans. And I remember when the book published that one of the reviewers said that it was like reading a letter from your best friend. <laughs> and so I'm sure that, that, that your original readers are going to be so happy to hear from Mia again. So tell us a little bit about the plot of the book and, and if there are any distinct reasons other than you just wanted to give your fans more of this great stuff as to why you, you've gone back to Mia and found her, at, you know, at age 26. Well, I really um, was kind of missing Mia a little bit in, in my life. And I, of course, was hearing from readers that they missed her, too, and they were wondering what she was up to. And, you know, I, I actually kind of stopped writing after she graduated from high school because I really hadn't planned to do any more books after that. And I hadn't really thought of anything else that could happen to to her. But as time went on and I heard from more and more readers and kind of was following what was happening in their lives, um, I started thinking about uh, what Mia was up to. And of course, there was the wedding between Prince William and, and Princess Kate. And I, of course, was hearing from readers asking, well, is Mia getting married? What's going on with her? And, and little by little, I started formulating a plot in my head about Mia and Michael. And um, so that is what this new book is about. It's called Royal Wedding. And of course, I don't want to give anything away, but there may be a wedding in it. And um, it is about Mia's zany adventures, um, planning her wedding. And of course, she gets engaged and it goes from there. You know, she has this grandmother who's very interfering. Um, so she may not actually be getting the wedding that she wants. Um, but I think readers are really going to enjoy it. And, you know, things may not go as smoothly as uh, things do, especially considering it's Mia. But since so many of my readers are actually getting married themselves, some have been married, um, I think they're they're really going to enjoy reading this one. I know that I did. It was, it oh, was really fun. Yeah, thank you. Now, I've also read that you described... In, in your earlier life, feeling like an outsider and using writing to sort of work through that and, and I guess counteract that. But as someone with such huge 
success. You know, do you still have that feeling or, or and, and, and has that changed the way that you approach writing and, and what it does for you? Yeah, I mean, I still, yeah, I definitely still feel like an outsider. In fact, uh, one of the funny things that about the book, when it starts out, Mia is herself still feeling like an outsider, and she's actually prescribed journaling by her doctor as a way to not feel so anxious about things, and that's something that actually happened to me. Um, I was prescribed journaling, which made me kind of angry because I'm like, I'm a writer, <laughs> you know, I write all the time, so you're saying that I need to journal in addition to doing my writing, and and the answer was yes, and so I actually journal in addition to writing, and um, it's something that really helps, and I found that I hear that a lot from my readers as well, that uh, writing things down can really helps you work through your problems, even if it's, you know, you're a writer in real life as well. You need to talk about your problems, um, not necessarily through fictional characters. You need to talk about them yourself, and even if you're just writing them, um, it, it really helps, and I think that... Uh, you know, the fact is, I actually didn't have a wedding. I eloped. Oh, wow. <laughs> so um, I had to do a lot of research for this book, although I've been to a few weddings. I never actually planned one myself. I, uh, my husband and I took off to Italy and oh. just got married on our own with no family members or anyone around. So this book was a real challenge in that way for me, although it was actually super fun because a lot of my research involved watching those wedding shows on TV, um, although actually I did do a lot of research online and uh, reading all those wedding books as well. So um there was something about it that was super fun. Um, planning Mia's wedding, I kind of got to plan my own in a way, although I'm not sure I'd want mine to go the way Mia's went. <laughs> yeah, so maybe you'll you'll renew your vows. Well, you know, I actually, during my research, I read a statistic that people who have renewals often get divorced afterwards. So no what way. you, yes, what you have to do is have an anniversary party. Invite all your friends, like I'm, I'm approaching my 25th wedding anniversary. So I think what we're going to do is have a big party, not necessarily renew our vows, but I definitely want to get one of those amazing dresses. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, okay, so you journal, you write a vast number of words for publication, but I've read that you write while you're on vacation and that you, you just love writing. You never, basically, you never stop. Well, no, I do. I've actually, since I started journaling, I feel a lot better about the writing thing. So I've actually been taking some time off. I took a sabbatical last year. You did? Um, yeah, it was great. I did a lot of reading and I started drawing. So I actually went to college. Um, I was an art major, so I started drawing, so I started actually writing books that I'm illustrating, too. So that's very relaxing. I think it's important that you that you have a lot of downtime. I, I watch a lot of TV, too, so I have to admit. I go to the movies a lot. Um, I bike, and I swim, and I'm learning how to boat. So one of my plans is to get a boat one of these days. So um, I, I got a lot of hobbies, and I'm feeling a lot better about uh, being able to step away from the writing things when I need to, enjoying yeah, so my family and stuff. And journaling has has led you to that. Yes, definitely. Do you do you write in your journal before anything else? I just write in it when I'm feeling stressed about stuff that's going on, and um, you know, instead of complaining to my friends. And there's a line actually in Royal Wedding where Princess Mia talks about how her grandmother advised her um, that you need to leave your baggage with your valet or your therapist, <laughs> and so um, you know you have to carry your own personal baggage. And part of that is actually journaling. It's really um, a great way to get your anxieties out. And I used to just uh, get them out by putting them in the books that I was writing. But sometimes you know the little plots that I had going on were actually stuff that was happening in my personal life and didn't really belong in the book. So this oh, way. I'm, yeah, I'm getting it out through my journaling instead, and it makes the books much better. <laughs> now, you mentioned biking. Are, you're living full-time in Key West, right? 
That is correct. I live in Key West, Florida, which is a very bikeable town. It's um, pretty flat, beautiful weather all the time, and uh, very narrow streets, so it's much easier than driving a car. Of course, I can't really drive a car because I never got my license, so this is working out much better for me. And has it, th- that is such a distinct place to live. Has has living there and and biking around has that has that influenced what you choose to write about or, or the way you write? You know, it's a really great place to live, as you probably know. There's been a ton of writers who've lived there, Hemingway and uh, Tennessee Williams. And, of course, there's a lot of contemporary writers who live there right now, Judy Bloom, um, Jim Glick is a neighbor of mine. And um, we have a literary festival every year um, in January, so we get tons of uh, other writers that come to visit. It's just, I think, some people think it's the weather, but I think it's the fact that it's just such a small town. It's very beautiful. Everybody knows each other. You can walk or ride your bike anywhere you want to go. And because you're, you know, not usually stuck in a traffic jam, yeah, yeah, you you get a lot of your thinking done while you're on the move. So I think it's, yeah, it's a great place to live if you want to be a writer. Now, how do you think the publishing industry has changed from your first Princess Diary books to now to now this one? Well, obviously, there's there are ebooks now, which really weren't around when I yeah. first started writing. Um, but I personally still read books that are paper. Um, my husband likes ebooks, so I think that the great thing that's changed is that there are so many options for people. There's, you know, obviously YA has exploded. There weren't that many options when I was first writing YA. Um, You know, now you can find YA mysteries, YA romances, YA supernatural books. But when I first came out, you know, really when I was trying to sell The Princess Diaries, it was rejected quite a bit because people found it, you know, they didn't really know how to categorize it because it was, you know, entertaining fiction, but it didn't a lot of the ways at that time kind of had like a big message yeah, the at the end. Stories, Some, yeah, yeah, problem stories. But now you can find those. You can find my kind of fiction. Um, you can find anything you want. And I think that just the amount of uh, different styles of stories that are out there is really great. The readers just have so much choice. And I think that's just incredible. And I think another great thing that's happening is that books that have been out of print for years um, are suddenly being brought back into print through ebooks, so that there's books that I've always wanted to read but I couldn't find because they weren't just being published anymore are suddenly now um, out there for the reader if they want to find them. So that's amazing. And what do you what do you think is the most sort of satisfying about publishing as opposed to writing? And what do you think is the most challenging? Um, you know, being edited is always, every writer is going to tell you that sometimes we don't always agree with what our editor says. Um, but I think editing is really important because, you know, looking back, I remember that I really wanted to call the second Princess Diaries book uh, The Princess of Puke. I have no idea why. <laughs> I thought that that was such a great title. Looking back, that was a terrible title. So I think it's very important um, that books get edited and you listen to your editor. Sometimes people talk to me and they're like, oh, that must be terrible when you get edited. And I think, yeah, in some ways, you know, there are things I disagree with, but looking back, I'm like, oh my God, thank God I took that editor's advice. Um, the best part of writing is just, I, I mean, I love it. It's, I love, I've always kind of been a storyteller. Storytelling was a huge part of my life growing up. My family um, were Irish and Italian. I don't know, I don't want to be stereotypical, but we're storytellers. We tend to tell a lot of stories. And in my house, when you sat down to dinner, you had to tell the story of your day, what you did that day, um, or nobody paid any attention to you. So I kind of just grew up in a storytelling home. And to be able to do that um, 
for a living is amazing. I would do it anyway. I, hate, I don't tell my publisher this. <laughs> um, but that's just, it's the best. And I feel like I'm just living a dream. I feel so incredibly lucky that people enjoy reading my stories. And um, this is what I get to do for my job. But yeah, I would still do it. <laughs> that's interesting. And I've also read that your advice to those that want a career, sort of different from those that want to publish a book, but those that want a career is to love it and to be patient. Yeah. You know, and to sort of do it for, like you just said, yourself. Do it if, even, even if you think you might not get money for it. Yeah, I think it's really important that people expect and my parents had this advice from me because, um, well, they, we lived in an academic town, so we knew a lot of people who uh, were writers, but they all had a second job. I think it's important that you know that you're not necessarily going to make a huge ton of money being a writer, at least right away. So it's important that you are trained in something else that you can do so that you can support yourself while you're trying to get published. Because it did take me many years before I was able to make enough money to support myself just from my writing alone. Um, there were days... I had a day job for a long time, and there were days that um, I just remember sitting at my desk at my day job, kind of sneakily working on my book when my boss wasn't looking. And so I think that that's something that some people think, oh, you know, you write your book and you put it in the mail, and then two weeks later you get a giant check, and it really very rarely works out that way. So I think people need to be aware of that because I think sometimes, I'm not blaming the media, but sometimes yeah, you, you get that impression. And it, it really doesn't work that way. It's a, it's a job um, that you have to work a lot in your spare time, um, hoping that it's going to work out. And for some people, it, it never does. But you've got to, it's something that you love. And if you can't let it go because you love it that much, that usually means that you're a writer. And, and then I, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for you. But if you love it, you don't care because you're going to keep trying it. My husband uh, said something really funny when I was really, really struggling um, to get published and I just kept getting rejected. I really, I was like, I think I'm going to quit. I'm just going to write for myself and not send stuff out anymore. And he was like, look, you know, I love golf, but I'm a terrible golfer. But I'm going to keep doing it. I don't care if people tell me I'm bad. If you love something, keep doing it. Don't give up. And I realized he was right. So that's why I, I never gave up. And I kept sending stuff out. And, you know, a few weeks later, I got that letter in the mail saying somebody loved my stuff and they wanted to publish it. So I think yeah. that's something important to remember. You'd be surprised how many writers reference golf. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a great it's a sport that you play by yourself. Yeah. Um, you're very independent out there. It's a kind of a craft and um, it's something that you learn as you go. And I also think it's something that's very hard to teach, much like writing. Yeah, that you just have to keep like you say practice, mm -hmm. practice, practice. And if you don't enjoy it, yeah, just you're why never going to stay it? on the golf course. Exactly. Course. So I think it, it's a very apt comparison, mm -hmm. but it's very interesting to me how many times that has come up. That's so funny. Yeah. But it's it's so true. All right, now I want to ask you a few questions as a reader, because I ask all the writers questions around their reading life. What was the last book that you had a conversation about, and what did you, what was the conversation about? Well, I am obsessed with mysteries. I love reading mystery novels, and it's something that I would um, love to write the perfect mystery novel. I, I think that mysteries are great because they're basically about kind of a broken trust with society. So, you know, the worst thing that can happen is for somebody to die. Um, and the second worst thing is for them to have died because somebody has killed them. And so um, to write a perfect mystery is for somebody to then investigate that death and then find the person who committed that crime and bring them to justice. So I love reading mysteries, and the ones that I'm reading now are ones that I never got around to reading um, because they were out of print. And so now they're being brought back to print, and the ones that I'm reading right now are 
the Nero Wolf Mysteries by Rex Stout. And I'm reading one um, called, oh my gosh, now I can't remember. It's the one where there's 15 chefs and they're being murdered <laughs> at this big dinner party. And so I was talking to somebody about that just because they're so perfectly crafted. So that was uh, who I, I had a conversation about those books with uh, Jim Glick, who's a neighbor of mine who wrote Chaos. And, uh, you know, it's so funny. You can be talking to these nonfiction writers who you never expect just to turn out to be these secret Rex Stout fans. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Now, are you reading it thinking that you might write in this genre? I don't think that I could ever... Uh, craft one as perfect as his. I do write uh, mysteries. There's a size 12 is not fat books featuring this heroine named Heather Wells, who is also a, an amateur detective. But yeah, I would love to be able to write books as lovely as those. And is it is part of it because so much of that depends on that plotting. And I, I've, I've also read that you, you, you know your beginning and you know your ending. But right. in the middle, you, you let yourself yeah, write and I, then you let yourself I, And also, I don't think that my problem is that I don't want to know who the, who the killer is because I feel like if you know who the killer is... It takes the fun out of it. Well, no, I think that you um, write it in a way that maybe the reader could figure it out. And the whole point of a mystery is that, you know, you don't want the reader to know you want to be able to trick them. So... For me, when I'm writing a mystery, um, when I get about halfway through, I, I like I like you just said, I do know how it's going to end, so I do know who the killer is. So when I get about halfway through, I always have to change it really fast so that you know I, I'm not leaving any clues that are too obvious. So I think it's a very very difficult. I think they're the most difficult That's books to write. That's very interesting yeah. that you do that in that genre. Who are your Who are some of your first readers? When I was a kid, I loved you know the, the standards. I really liked. Um, I hate to say it, but I really like Charlotte Bronte and uh, Jane Austen. But I, I liked mysteries even when I was a kid. I really liked science fiction. I liked Isaac Asimov mm -hmm. and um, Robert Heinlein and all of those kind of classics because those were also kind of what was laying around my house because my parents were big readers. But I'm, to this day, I still like Robert B. Parker, who wrote the Spencer novels, and I um, have just started reading John D. McDonald, the Travis McGee books. Those are great. Um, but I liked romance, too. I was a big romance reader. I loved Kathleen Woodowice and uh, certainly Johanna Lindsay, and all of those um, were books that I read because I, I was very interested in becoming a romance writer as well because I, I have to admit it was partly because I heard that it was kind of not so hard to break into the romance industry as it was the other ones. So when I first started trying to get published, um, those were what I wrote, historical romance novels, and I did actually break into that under a different name. And those were the books that I first wrote, historical romances. Yeah. Now, if you had to press a book on a 13-year-old boy. Hmm. 13-year-old boy. I tried to get my little brothers to read A Wrinkle in Time. Um, neither of them were interested. Yeah. <laughs> so I do think that um, Robert B. Parker, Spencer Books, um, if he's a kind of more sophisticated reader, are are fun. Um, there's one called Early Autumn, which is actually about Robert B. Parker trying to help a 13-year-old boy oh. um, break away from his kind of abusive parents. And if you knew you were going to be banished to a desert <laughs> island and you could take three books? Well, my favorite book is called Cold Comfort Farm by Stella Gibson. That's one of my favorite books. I love... Um, Travis McGee is the new thing that I'm into, so I would probably take one of the Travis McGee mysteries. And I would probably take a journal. Yeah, interesting. And a pen. And a pen. <laughs> yeah, so I that's been so influential. You write some little SOS <laughs> notes. There are some bottles laying around. <laughs> that's a good idea. All right, well, thank you so very much for spending time with us. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Kat Theck with production help from Jennifer Monroe. 
The books featured in this episode are available for purchase wherever books are sold. Please be sure to subscribe to Harper Audio Presents, and you can send us a question or comment via our Facebook page. We hope you'll join us next time as we hear more from the leading figures across books, culture, and the arts, all brought to you by Harper Audio Presents.